Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff, episode number 68. And I am back, accompanied as always by the maestro, the Lloyd Braun to my George Costanza, the 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 unicorn of basketball coaches along the Cedar River. He is Mr. Tony Davis. Mr. Viss, how are you this fine Sunday evening? Doing all right. I've uh, been kind of a restful Sunday. I uh, put a lot of time in watching some film and on our team, next opponent, all that good stuff. And so uh, looking forward to talking a little rebounding tonight. How are things in the big Omaha? Uh, we're doing okay. Um, it's... Uh... It's been an interesting day. I forgot to tell you this before we uh, pre-rolled here, and and by the time this comes out on Friday, uh, a lot of people will have known this. Uh, We we had a real tragedy in our community, um, in our Fort Calhoun community this morning. Uh, A a senseless act of violence uh, took the life of uh, our our Catholic priest at at our parish, in Fort Calhoun, yeah, the uh, the rectory was was being broken into, and he called nine one one, and uh, deputies got there, and I'm sure in just a few minutes. And uh, by the time they come back, uh, whoever the person, the, the guy that broke in, um, had had stabbed the, the priest multiple times. He ended up passing away from his from his wounds. So um, you know, it's it's a senseless act of violence you know it's it's crazy tony it's our it's our second homicide in our little community in less than four months um and it's it's uh i don't know it's just uh it's just a crazy thing it tells you how precious life is uh to take every day and really live it to your fullest because you never know when your last when you're when you're going to be called and um you know so i've been kind of texting with some of the players and um, you know, kind of telling them to uh, take their time and make sure they're taken care of. We've got a, a, f- a few kids on our team that are members of that parish. And, uh, yeah, just it's just a, a senseless, random act of violence. And uh, it's just a crazy world we live in, buddy. It is very crazy and definitely gives you a, a different perspective on things. But, yeah, sorry about that. And for you and your, your community and your players, wow, that is really sad yeah it is it is so um the good thing is is the the gentleman that committed the crime they arrested him on the scene and um he's in he's in uh he's in custody and everything so um i'm sure the whole full story will come out in some way shape or form here over the next few days by the time people hear this uh they they might know about it so um so episode number 68 tony uh rebounding uh the uniform number 68. I've got two legendary offensive linemen, a legendary defensive end, and a hockey player, eh? <clears throat> um, let's try some hockey first. All right. Yager? Yaramir Yager. The second most points in NHL history is that hockey player. So you got that one. Um, let's go with an offensive lineman. I think the center for the Jets, Kevin Mawai. I was did he not. 68? I he he was for most of his career. I did not put him on the list because for like three or four years he had a different uniform number. Okay. So he didn't ride out the the sixty eight for 
his whole career, but he can be an, an additional one. So I, I wrote it down, and now I'm crossing it out, so I'll give it to you. But I've got two more offensive linemen, uh, legendary okay. offensive linemen. Uh, was Larry Allen from the Cowboys, was he 68? Mm, he was not on my list. Okay. Um, I think the – did you say there was a defensive lineman? Yep. Was that Ted Hendricks? Nope. Uh, Steel Curtain, the Steel Curtain. Steel Curtain, 68 defensive end. LC Greenwood? There it is. Wow. Nice pull, buddy. Nice pull. All right. Okay. So we need some offensive linemen. Yes. Um, One played, uh, one is a University of Nebraska graduate. Um, Hall of Famer, and the other one is a, uh, let's see, where did he go to college here? Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, I think of Nebraska offensive lineman, I want to say Dean Steinkuhler. Nope. No. Okay. Um, shoot. I am running out of ideas on this one. Um... Member of the Hogs, or uh, the guy, okay, the guy from Nebraska, sorry. Guy from Nebraska, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh, Will, Will Shields. Yep. Okay, Will the Shields. other guy you said was a hog? He was a hog. Is there a Bostic? Uh, it was not Jeff Bostic. Not Jeff Bostic, okay. Um, Grimm? Russ Grimm is correct. Russ Grimm is correct. So you got all five. Uh, no Major League Baseball players. Just for your knowledge, Tony, there's been one NBA player that has worn uniform number 68. Uh, Milt Schoon, uh played for the Detroit Falcons in 1947. So if you had that on your bingo card, congratulations. You got that right. I would have never got that in a million years. Yep. So I might have got Taj Gibson last week before I got that. <laughs> Come on. You didn't have a poster of Milt Schoon growing up? No, no. Uh, I should have. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, Gary Payton. Um, oh, he's got a Wikipedia page. Wow. He was a 6'7", 230-pound center. He just passed okay. away in 2015. He lived till he was 93. So, huh. yeah. So interesting. Yeah, Milt Schoon. Uh, let's see here. Only shot, only shot 21 percent from the field. So, uh, not, not known for his shooting. Not a score. No, no, not at all. I so. saw a thing on Twitter yesterday or X, whatever they're calling it now, that uh, Mike only shot like 20 some percent from the field. Really? Yeah. So, because they were making fun of people, you know, with this guy shot 27 percent from the field, and he's got a shooting drill named after him. But yeah, I was shocked on that. Uh, for his career, he shot 40 percent from the field. Must have been like a stretch early on or something. Yeah, yeah. Still though, at seven footer in the 40s and 50s, he probably could have shot it better than than that. So a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You would think anyway. So. All right, buddy. Well, hey, let's dive in here. Let's talk a little rebounding here. Episode number 68. Um, great idea. Great concept. Um, Tony, uh, I'll uh, I'll get the party started here this week. Uh, rebounding is an attitude. I, I, I really believe that 
It's an attitude that you you teach, that you preach to your team, uh, that you put it into action. Um, I, I I just think it's something. And, and some players just have that rebounding gene, and they have that knack for finding the ball, and they have the desire to go get it. Uh, you can teach it to a degree, but man, this is... This is a this is a skill that it doesn't take a whole lot of talent. It's it's just an attitude and the heart and the the desire to go get the dog on basketball. Yeah, I mean, if you were to rate like three key characteristics of a rebounder, you've got you know relentlessness, you have intelligence, and you have technique. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to rank those. I take relentlessness every time as the first one. They have to have that. The other two things are important. Don't get me wrong. But like you're saying, there has to be like this attitude. I'm just going to go get the ball. And then you put a little bit of intelligence behind it. Like you know where it's going to go off most of the time. And then you have outstanding technique, whether that's defensively or offensively. Um, Yeah, those, those three things together are awesome. But relentlessness has to be at the top. Yeah. Um how do you teach a rebounding attitude, Tony? You know, one of the things that we do is we basically make it a war. Um, and it's one of those things where there's not a lot of fouls called. Uh, it's very, very physical. And it's not for the weak of heart. And one of the things we do is we just make a big deal out of it. Like in terms of things, I think the, the things that I rank in terms of what, like what's important for us to win, I think defense and again, this has kind of shifted a little bit philosophically through the years. I think defense, due to its consistency, and and I think it's the number one thing that gives you a chance to win. And I would put rebounding, like if defense is 1A, I'd put rebounding at 1B. Yeah. Um, and we make a big deal out of it. And we, we highlight it, we, we you know, we reward it. Uh, you know, we just, it's, it's super important to us. And it's one of those things where we had 27 offensive rebounds on Tuesday night. Um, you're, you're going to win a lot of games with mm-hmm. that. And so, uh, you know, we just really, really put a lot of importance on it. We, we do at least one, if not multiple rebounding drills every day for practice. Yeah, we've, I, I've done that in the past and we reward it as well. We have our little uh, post-game awards that we do every game and my assistants pick out. Uh, we have our Benergy player of the game, uh, who, whoever's kind of the, the, the best person on the bench. Um, defensive player, the lockdown defender, we give them a little padlock. And then our, our rebounder, uh, we give them a, a, a bottle of Windex. You know, here's the Windex woman of, of the game, cleaning the glass. You know, we had to explain that one a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's something that you have to take pride in. And, you know, you're, you're talking about defense, you know, as, as numerous coaches, including, um, one of my heroes, Don Meyer, the, the defensive possession isn't over until you clear the rebound. And mm-hmm. so rebounding is part of that. And I also believe that rebounding uh, helps your offense as well on the offensive end. You know, you've got to find ways to create extra opportunities for your team. Uh, and one of the things that we've really zeroed in with our team this year is we want to have at least 10 more shots than our opponent every game. And we've been able to do that for three games in a row. And how are we going to do that? Well, there's two big ways that you can do that. Offensive rebounds or forcing turnovers. And in a couple of our games, we did a little bit of both. Uh, well, basically, in all three of our games, we, 
our, our first two games, we did both. In our third game, uh, it was more offensive rebounds. We didn't force as many turnovers as we had been uh, because we didn't execute our, our defense nearly the way that we needed to. But you can keep yourself in games, even if you if you shoot poorly, by crashing the glass really, really hard and creating that identity that we're gonna go, we're gonna attack the glass, we're gonna go, we're gonna go clean up, and we're gonna put the pressure on the other team that every time we put up a shot, you've got to go find somebody. And if you don't, we're gonna get that rebound and we're gonna have a chance to put it back in. And 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 by doing that, kind of our philosophy is Tony. Uh, if we crash the glass hard on the offensive end, that slows down the other team's transition because they've got to send four or five people to the defensive glass, and that forces them to, you know, everybody's got to come back and try and go get the basketball. And, and so it kind of works hand-in-hand hand at both ends. A lot of times we associate rebounding with, with defense, but it's also the offensive end as well. Yeah, we talk a lot about if you want to win, you rebound. And one of the stats that we give them is that on a first shot attempt, you'll see teams shoot one out of four. Mm-hmm. On a second shot attempt, you'll see teams shoot three out of four. So if you want to win, you'll keep the other team from getting offensive rebounds. And if you want to win, you're going to get offensive rebounds. And so there's a lot of emphasis on that. Um, and then, like you said, Marty, um, normally the team that gets more shot attempts normally wins the game. Not always, but normally wins the game. And if you can get 10 to 15 extra shot attempts than your opponents, you've given yourself a lot better chance, a higher percentage of winning that ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just one of those things where, you know, a lot of times when we'll do rebounding drills, um, you know, we tell them, even if it goes in, we're playing as a miss. Yep. And you can get another point. It, you know, by by doing that, we do all kinds of like competitive rebounding drill. We've got one we call black and blue. We had another one uh, we call Bronco. We do three on three rebounding, three in a row to get out. We do Rodman rebounding. I mean, we, we do a variety of rebounding drills in a variety of situations. And, you know, one of the things you would you hate to see at the end of the game, if you're up by one or two or whatever, you play outstanding defense and then you break it down by not getting that defensive rebound. And if mm-hmm. they get the offensive rebound, more times than not, you're going to pay in a very, very painful way. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about a lot of the drills that you do, Tony. Are you a big technique guy, or are you just like, get a body on somebody and, and go get the doggone basketball? We we talk a little bit of technique, um, and then as the season progresses, it gets to get a body on somebody and get, go get the doggone basketball. We talk about the... Um, you know, the method we talk about, the just get it done method, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's what we do. But at the beginning of the year, uh, we talk a lot about in terms of defensive rebounding technique, we want the tag. We tell guys that's probably the most important part. We break it down into several steps. We tell them that's the most important part is you've got to tag. You've got to take your forearm. You have to put it into their midsection, if you will, stop their momentum, then pivot into them back him out a little bit, and then go pursue that rebound. And then offensively, uh, we break it down into two two options, the spin or swim. Uh, we want to just never accept the back. You're either going gonna to spin off that back, you're going to swim around a shoulder, whatever the case may be. I think a lot of times we, we kind of get lazy with that a little bit where we try to push him under the rim. Yeah. And so we really get, you know, in terms of emphasizing that early on in the year, hey, spin or swim, spin or swim. And then, like I said, kind of as the year progresses, as we make progress there, uh, we just talk about get a body and go get the ball. Yeah, we we call it, and I think I got this from Izzo, 
uh, hit and get, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just hit somebody and go get it. Uh, and, and so, uh, we, we really emphasize that. And, and another thing that we try to do, Tony, is we try to emphasize it. We try to, we try to emphasize rebounding every single drill that we do. Uh, for example, a lot of times in our shooting drills, uh, we tell them shot goes up and if you get the rebound before the ball hits the floor, put it back up and in, your team gets a point. So let's say we're playing by twos and threes, but you get that rebound, put it back in, keep it high uh, without putting it on the floor, that's worth a point. you know. And, and so it's, it's just an emphasis all the time. All the defensive drills that we do, um, is, it's, it's, just, it's just a it's a stream of consciousness thing that they should know, hey, that shot goes up, I've got to go find somebody, and I've got to go get that basketball and, and then – you know, secure that rebound so that we could go attack on the offensive end or crash hard if you're on the offensive side. So um, what are what are anything else that you do with your teaching, Tony? Or is there anything else that you really do? Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching. And during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. One of the uh, things that we do, a lot of times I think with rebounding drills, we keep it pretty stagnant, you know, as, as coaches. You know, there's not a lot of movement. And so what we've tried to do over the past, I don't know how many years now, but we've tried to make it a lot more dynamic where we do one we call Washington rebounding, where we have one group on one side outside the three-point line, another group on the other side outside the three-point line, and then I'll pass to one of the groups. They'll know who's on offense, who's on defense. They'll shoot it. If they make it, they give their team three, and then you've got to sprint all the way across the floor and we're playing the rebound out. So there's an additional point that you can get. So if you make a three and grab the board, you get 44 points. I'm sorry. And then we're trying to play first team to 25 wins that another one we do, we have them do a little circle in the lane. We got three shooters, two in the corner, one at the top of the key. I kicked to one of them and then they're going to shoot the three. um, And then we block it out. If the defense gets it, the guy who shot it has to touch the baseline and we transition into a three-on-two with a chaser on the other end. If the offense rebounds it, we play it live three-on-three, and they can get another point if they score the offensive rebound. So we've tried to make it a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more challenging, where you're moving kind of like a game, try to simulate it more game-like, um, instead of just, hey, you know, take a half step or a step and block somebody out, because that's not, that's not really how it works in a game. It's very dynamic, it's very moving, and so you have to be able to, like you're talking about, you know, stop the momentum, hit them, and then go get it. Yeah. We do, uh, we, we like to do like two on two and three on three switch, you know, two on two switch it. Um, and you know, uh, if you get the rebound, it's worth one point. If you get offensive rebound, it's worth two points. Um, 
if you get the offense or you know you put it back in you get two more points or whatever uh, a lot of times we'll do that like in teams so we'll you know the orange team will have these seven or eight girls and the black team will have these seven or eight girls and and then we'll and then we'll let her go go there you know type of a deal um, you know it, it's good to put a, a point system on it uh, it mm-hmm. makes them think about what they're doing here uh, another one that our kids love Tony. Uh, they absolutely love it. We call it warrior rebounding, and it's it's you got to be a warrior to go in here. And you know we uh, we just did it a few days ago. Uh, what we do is uh, the way we did it this time around is we divided them into three teams. So we've got orange team, black team, and then we've got a spare set of of blue uh, pullovers that we use when we want to go three teams. And it's a pretty simple drill. Uh, the shot goes up. And it's a, an orange team against a black team against a blue team. And you got to go get the rebound. And you've got to score twice with not a lot of fouls being called, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you score two, then you're out. And somebody else from your team comes in. And um, the first team where everybody scores two baskets, that team wins. Or you could do it like, okay you got to score once and then you're out, but you got to go through your line twice or, you know, something, something along those lines, but it's, it's a toughness deal. You know, you're going to get contact when you're going up to try and score. Uh, you, you know, it's going to be really, really physical. And we try to, uh, we, we try to, to do that, uh, you know, just to, just to emphasize the physicality of the game and to have our girls play with an aggression, um, it, it's, it, and, and it's weird because they love it. They love going in there and just beating the holy snot out of each other. So, uh, that's another one. That's, that's another one that we do. Um, where do you put your rebounding drills at in your practices, Tony? You said you do five to 10 minutes of rebounding every day. Where do you usually slide them in at? We usually go like when we step into our defensive series, so we'll start off with some stretching, full court work, ball handling, that type of thing. And then uh, right after we get through that, then we start into our defensive series. And so usually pretty pretty early, about a third of the way through practice, we, we hit rebounding. And then we may come back to it at the end of the defensive series. Um, but we usually have it towards the beginning of it before we get into a few other things uh, with the defense as well. But we usually put it put it in there pretty early because what we're trying to do is to set a tone right away early on in practice that we are going to rebound and mm-hmm. it's going to be physical. And, you know, there's, there, you know, the other day we were doing one, we had a kid with a bloody nose, um, you know, and again, not trying to hurt anybody or anything like that, but they, you know, we don't have a lot of guys that are six, five, six, six, we go six, one, six, two, maybe six, three yeah. in some spots. And so we just have to be very physical with it. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, hitting or being hit. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's be honest, if you have anybody that's six five or six six, they're probably not gonna be with you very long if they're if they're any good, right, Tony? Yes. We had you know, we were fortunate enough we had a freshman kid was about six five, six six, and so they didn't take him up uh, his first year on the varsity. Uh they did a sophomore year, but he played with me his freshman year. Um and that was, you know, one of the big kids we had. We have another kid who played with me for a couple of years, about six four, six five. And uh, now he's turned into a first-team All-State kid. But yeah, they're those guys are usually you know a dime a dime. You know, I shouldn't say dime. Those guys are usually pretty rare, and they go up pretty early and have successful careers. Yeah. Well, he's he's it's because of your mentorship that he's first-team. No, he, he overcame it. He overcame it. 
Um, here, you know, another scenario that we work on is uh, free throw rebounding. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that's a, a special situation. Uh, one of the things that we talked about with our team after we lost the other night as we were going through film, um, you know, we lost a one-possession game. And here's a special situation. Here's a special situation. And and this did not come up in particular, but it is a special situation. You know, how many times, uh, I, I'm sure you've had games before, Tony, where uh, you're up you're up one or it's tied or whatever, and the other team's shooting a free throw with a minute left and they miss, but they come out with an offensive rebound and you're just over there just pulling your hair out, you know? And so we spend time working on our free throw box outs and our philosophy there and driving people out. And we, we get, and, and basically the way we do it is again, two teams. And so let's say the black is on defense first. So we go black, orange, black and then an orange shoots the free throw and make or miss like you said tony make or miss we've got to pursue it like it's a live ball and we're going to go get that and then we just slide everybody down a slot so now it's orange black and the free throw shooter and another orange player are now in those top spots and we have a a black uh jersey player shooting the free throw there you know and and we we work at that because we know that's a special situation that we need to win and it's really, really important to make sure that, you know, and sometimes it's inevitable, funny bounce, quirky thing, whatever it may be. Uh, but is that something you've worked on as well, Tony? Most definitely. Uh, you know, we've, we talk about our bottom guys stepping up the lane. A lot of times, you know, they want to go in right away to the free throw or to the hoop, I should say, and the ball goes over their head. So we really work on making sure, hey, step up the lane, make contact first. And then a uh, situation where, you know, we're up, say we're up two, uh, they've got one free throw left, and we've got four guys in there. And we're talking about which side's pension, yep. okay, which one's got the one-on-one block out. Yep. We talk a little bit about who's going to block the shooter out. And then, you know, the other thing that we emphasize a little bit, too, is that guy that's not in the free throw lane, making sure they block one of those guys out out there. Um, you don't want them to have a free run because we also we have a play that we call crash. If we're in that situation, say we're the trailing team, where we're going to miss the free throw intentionally and then try to see if we can open up a side and have a guy run in from outside the three-point line. So mm-hmm. we, we've got those, and you, you work on that stuff all the time. And like you said, Marty, you hate to see yourself – up one, not take it seriously, and end up lose a game because you don't block out on a free throw. Yeah, yeah. We we also one of the things, especially like in a free throw shooting drill or or any of our just designated rebounding drills. And this is an old Don Meyer thing. Uh, we uh, we mimic every box out. So let's say we're doing you know free throw rebounding. All right, and and there's seven kids directly involved with the play. Right. Um, we have the other eight or nine kids. They're they're mimicking, and I have my assistants watch them. Uh, one or two of my assistants watch the other players, and they've they've literally got to go through the motions, and they've got to call it out, shot, box out, and then they jump up in the air like they're going to get the ball, rebound, and then they turn to make an outlet. And and one of the things that that Coach Meyer always said, and it, it stuck with me, is that, you know that's the type of stuff. Those are extra reps, and and it's and again it's it's a mindset that you're putting into your kids' brains that. Hey, every time the shot goes up, 
we've got to go get the doggone basketball. And so that's something that we've done a lot of is mimicking rebounds uh, and and getting those, you know, instead of getting one rep in, uh, Billy or, or Mary is getting seven, eight reps in in the drill because they're mimicking those. And again, you can't, there's no contact there, there but, but it's just going through and again, getting that mental uh, attitude of shot goes up, whether I'm offense or defense, I got to go get the rebound. And, and so that's something we do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and it makes your practice efficient. It lets those kids not only get a physical rep, but also a mental rep there as well. You know, there's that old phrase, you know, stay ready so that you don't have to get ready. Mm-hmm. If you're on the sideline, you know, messing around, whatever, and you're not into it, you're cheating yourself of reps. And who's to say when you, when your time comes and you're not ready to block out on a free throw when it costs your team? You know, we, we had a scrimmage the other day that that's exactly what happened. The kid came in. There was a free throw. His team was up one. He has a, a mental brain fart and does not block out. And the other team gets it and scores at the horn. And his, his teammates were mad at him. It's just, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Make sure you're on the sideline and you are engaged with your mental reps as well, not just over there, you know, messing around with your teammates and not focused. Yeah, you know, what's the phrase? The idle hands are the devil's plaything or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And you you don't you want to keep your kids mentally engaged and and it's and it's the the easy thing for them to do is go over and wait their turn and then Billy starts jacking around with Johnny and then Johnny starts jacking around with Marcus and the next thing you know you're like and then you're getting mad. Hey, come on, concentrate, do this, we you know and and this is a way that they don't have time to mess around. They they don't have the opportunity to just I don't want to say not sit there and do nothing because you know but that's what they would be doing. They would just be standing there waiting their turn in the rotation. And you don't want that. You you want them, if they're there, you want to squeeze as much out of that hour, 45, two hours that you can. And if those are extra reps, even if they're mental reps, Tony, those are important reps to get. You want to get, your job as the coach is to get them as many reps as possible. It's just a different way of getting them reps. Most definitely. And, you know, it's one of those things where in terms of like those mental reps, it's important to see yourself doing it and doing it right. So that when the opportunity presents itself, you're ready to step up to the plate and and do, do a good job. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Well, Tony, you know who's always, and I mean always, ready to step up to the plate. Europe, they've never had a bad concert. Nope. They are the legends out of Sweden. 
the Europe's. So, Tony, I have trivia this week. Mr. Viss, are you ready for this week's trivia question? I can get it wrong. Let's do it. I I think you got a shot. I think you got a shot here. So, uh, UConn women's basketball. Uh, five wins, three losses. Um, they might be playing right now. I, I could be wrong with that. I Not to give you the Ron, Ron Burgundy. They might be playing <laughs> now. You know? <laughs> Are they on the television? Uh, uh but uh, I know they were supposed to play somebody pretty good today, too. Um, maybe not. Oh, North Carolina. They beat North Carolina today. Sorry. 76-64. All right. But in this week's uh, poll, the UConn women were ranked 17th in the country. It is their lowest rating since blank season. Whew. Let's go 1993. The 1993-94 season, Mr. Viss, you are correct. Oh, wow. Look at that I just guy. figured Gino had been there about 30 years and it was probably a rough first year. Yeah. Yeah, 1993-94 season is the first time. Now, what is absolutely amazing, I mean, the, the benchmark of, of a great season for almost every program in the country at that level is making it to the Sweet 16. And they have not been below that standard in three decades, Tony. That just tells you, tells you how amazing uh, the run at UConn has, has been. And uh, it just, just hats off to Coach Ariema and his program and everything that they've done. It's been incredible. I mean, they've been a factory putting out some of the greatest players the women's game has ever seen. Yep. Well, while you say that, Tony, I got a little something for you here as well. How about that? It is time for this week at basketball, and let's talk about uh, a great player. Uh, and again, we've we've beat this drum a little bit here, Caitlin Clark. Uh, hitting the number 3,000, um, and not only hits 3,000, but she hits 3,000 in a win, hits 3,000 in a win in a big rivalry game that you and I are very, very familiar with, the Cyhawk game. Uh, hit it on a trailing three from about 25 feet out uh, in, a, in a close and, and contested game. And uh, she is about 500 points and change behind Kelsey Plum, my cousin, um, not really. I'm, I'm not related to her. So, uh, but, uh, you know, just, you know, they beat Wisconsin today. Uh, you know, just another run 20, I think she had 29 points, nine rebounds, yep. five assists, some, something along there. Just another whole hum performance by Miss Clark. Uh, Tony, can, can we put this all in perspective? Is it possible to put it all in perspective? I don't know if it's possible. Uh, you know, along with those 3,000 points, she also has 750 assists, 750 rebounds. You know, you may be looking at arguably the greatest women's college career in history. Yeah. Um, you know, she's, she's really, really good. And then the WNBA did their uh, draft today. Uh, Indiana Fever got the number one pick. So that'll be an interesting decision she has to make because I don't think it's the Indiana fever of like five years ago where careers 
go to die. Yeah. They have Aaliyah Boston. Um, you know, and you put those two together, I think that could be a fun pairing. Uh, but at the same time, she might want to come back because it's not like she's not making a good chunk of change <laughs> yeah. uh, at the University of Iowa. She might want to come back and put up numbers that we may never see the likes of again. Yeah, the, the, those old numbers. Those th- that's like uh, Cal Ripken, uh, two thousand and six hundred, or what? You know, however many games in a row that he played in, or Nolan Ryan's strikeout record, or something like that. Uh, if she came back for a fifth year, Tony, there will no one will ever touch those numbers. Uh, if she is thinking about declaring, she might as well just start uh, taking a look at uh, real estate in the Indianapolis area right now because that's where she's going. Uh, there's there in, in my mind, Tony. Uh, there is no doubt uh, that if she chose to come out, that she would be the number one pick. Whether uh, just for the marketing purposes, obviously she's mm-hmm. extremely talented, but there's there's no way that they're not going to uh, draft her not only for her talent but for the marketing reasons as well. So, yeah, I I, I think that's that's a no brainer in that regard. I mean, you're talking a Midwest girl going to a Midwest team. Um, you know, basketball Wisconsin crazy state hasn't sold out their arena in twenty some years. She's there today; it sells out. I mean, Wisconsin's not not a big time you know, university basketball hoops hop that they produce a lot of great high school players that Iowa has mined some really good players out of. Um, but it, it hasn't had the success at the collegiate level of some of the, you know, some of the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think it's, it's one of those stories that um, – has you know obviously there's there's a lot to be to be written here uh she's going to make a huge uh decision uh but but think about Tony if she comes back for her senior or for a fifth year i mean we're talking it's not unrealistic to say she would have a chance to get 4500 points yeah something crazy like that yeah i mean that's that's uh just an unbelievable uh, unbelievable number. Um, and, and again, speaking of unbelievable numbers, it's been 30 years since uh, UConn has been ranked this low, um, 17th this week. And, and we'll kind of combine men's and women's basketball here. We'll have a little bit of a transition time, Tony. Uh, but for, again, everything relatively, uh, everything's relative here. Um, UConn is quote unquote struggling. We also have some other power programs. Duke's uh, men's team is five and three. Uh, again, for them, struggling off to a slow start. Uh, right before we we taped here, uh, just watched Nebraska beat Michigan State. Izzo's team is four and five. Uh, you know, and, and so some teams that are usually at, at the top of the power rankings here are off to slow starts. Uh, Tony, if, if you know, I'm sure you've had seasons where you've had slow starts. I mean, how do you how do you work it? When is it time to panic? Is there a time to panic? How do you how do you work your way through this uh, if you're Tom Izzo, if you're John Shire, if you're Gino Ariema and, and two of those guys are much older than the third and have been here and done that. Um, you know, but but what's the thought process? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's ever a time to panic. I mean, I think you can obviously raise the sense of urgency. Um, as far as things go, and both both Michigan State and Duke have a lot of talent. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. They have McDonald's All-Americans coming out their ears. 
Michigan State is trying to figure out how to, because they have some veterans as well, how do you combine that, build that bridge between your McDonald's All-Americans and your you know, fourth and fifth year guys and, and find a group that can be cohesive and work together? You know, Tom's notorious for having his team peaking in March, but if you're four and five right now, you know, you've, you've got to, there's a sense of urgency has to go up for him. Yeah. Um, as far as Coach Shire goes, you know, they're really young, a lot of talent, but really young. And, and the game changed. I mean, I remember when, when Calipari brought in all the one and dones, and that was the rage thing to do. And now it's about getting, you know, third, fourth, fifth year guys that transfer in yeah. and do the NIL thing. And that's really the route to go now. Um, and so it's just, I don't know, the game's changed quite a bit from that standpoint. And you know about that Duke hasn't tapped into the transfer portal a little bit, but I think Duke is still more about those five-star one-and-done guys, to be honest with you. Um, and so it's, it's a hard it's a hard landscape for those guys to, to navigate. Yeah. Well, and, and you take a look at, uh, you take a look at UConn, uh, and I think this plays into it as well. And, and I know Coach Ariema has always done this on purpose. Uh, they've, they've lost to UCLA, who's number two. They lost to North Carolina State, who has blitzed their way all the way up to number three. And and then you take a look at, uh, and then they lost to, now if, if you want to say that was a tough one, um, you know, losing to Georgia Tech, um, probably not uh, what they really wanted there. Uh, but, you know, so, so, or I'm sorry, I'm getting my teams mixed up here. They lost to Texas. I was talking about UConn, sorry. So NC State, uh, UCLA, and Texas, all teams in the top 10. Okay, those are three pretty decent losses. If you take a look mm-hmm. at Duke, uh, they lost to Arizona on their home floor. Uh, they go to Arkansas, fired up crowd. Arkansas has got a lot of talent. It's not necessarily coalescing the way that they would probably like. But then Duke goes on the road and loses at Georgia Tech, uh, a team that is uh, rebuilding with a first-year head coach in Damon Stoudemire. And then if you're Michigan State, of course, uh, open the season with uh, the crazy loss to James Madison in overtime, uh, neutral floor loss to Duke, uh, loss to, to Arizona, and then they've they've gotten beaten in two conference games back to back. You know, starting zero and two in the Big Ten to Wisconsin and Nebraska. Um, you know, so and you know Michigan State has Baylor up next, who's who's ranked sixth in the country. So there's there's uh, there's some some good losses in there. There's some bad losses uh, of the three. I think Geno's probably got to be the least worried. Um, and I think Izzo's probably got to be the most worried because you would think he would have that uh, cohesiveness down a little bit more, and, and he's kind of staring four and six right in the face here, and and the Big Ten is is not an easy conference to go through, and if you've already got six losses and you're already 0-2 in conference, that's tough to come back from and, and still get into the tournament. Not to say that the, if anybody can do it, Tom Izzo can do it, uh, but it's... it's uh, you know, this is why these guys get paid millions of dollars to steady the ship in rough waters. Usually, they're they've been very fortunate. All three of these folks have been very fortunate. Their waters haven't been too rough, uh, but but both of them are in a, a unique situation that they haven't been in in a while. I would disagree with you a little bit on the coach that should be a little bit more nervous. I think it should be John Shire, and the reason why I would go with Shire is I think the Georgia Tech loss is worse than any of the Michigan State losses. To be honest with you. Yeah. And then on top of that, Shire is replacing a legend. He's not the legend. Yeah. Izzo is a legend. Yeah. Um, and so 
that's why I think it might be Shire a little bit more nervous than the other ones. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you know, I would say all of them are going to be fine. They just got to make sure, you know, poise, composure, but a sense of urgency also has to start accompanying things. Otherwise, they might be on the wrong end on the field of 68 yeah and, and that's what i meant by that tony you know obviously tom izzo isn't going to get fired and, and shire's not going to get fired you know all that other that yeah that's what i was kind of talking about that urgency you know you take a look at um i'm taking a look at georgia tech stuff here and uh they beat duke but they lost to umass lowell 74 to 71 and cincinnati beat them by 35 points um but then they came back and beat Mississippi State and Duke, you know. Mississippi State's good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's an interesting road. Uh, it's an interesting storyline, and, and we just thought we'd talk about that a little bit here tonight. So um, other thing, uh, good heartfelt story here, Tony. Uh, Bronny James back on the floor this afternoon, got some minutes for USC, uh, about five months removed from cardiac arrest. Uh, it, it's just uh, it's just great to see uh, a young person whose uh, life is a lot about basketball, uh, not having other elements take it away, and uh, you know hopefully he has a great rest of the season here. Yeah, and D Wade had sent a tweet out about you know seeing Bronny back out there doing what he loves. Um, you know, it's, it's it is a very inspirational story, and one of the cool things was seeing LeBron at the game. Obviously, the night before. Uh, the Lakers are winning the in-season tournament. Next day, you're watching your son, who I'm sure five months ago, he had a lot of questions in his mind, wondering if he was going to be able to play this game that obviously their family is very heavily involved in and, and loves. And to see him out there as a proud dad, Bronny knocking down a three, had a chase down block. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't look too shabby out there for his first action of the season. Yeah. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is a, it's it's an extremely positive story. And, uh, you know, you you never, you never want to see anybody taken out of the game other than for game circumstances, you know, they foul out or whatever, you know, and, and especially for a young person with a, with a really, really bright future. Uh, obviously, Bronny, if you're ever listening, LeBron, if you're ever listening, you know, we wish you nothing but the best. Glad to see you back out on the floor here. So uh, speaking of LeBron, um, he had himself a week last week, Tony, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I had a really good week. Uh, <laughs> one of those things with the uh, in-season tournament, I think they had high expectations for it. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, I believe it surpassed even their expectations. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's a it's a good change-up, and, and there's no reason why they shouldn't have tried tried it sooner, um, other than, of course, the answer, well, it's what we've always done, you know. Well, just because that's the way we've always done it doesn't mean it always works, you know. Uh, we play... 
uh, in Nebraska here, we, we have a, a holiday tournament that most teams play in uh, right after the moratorium. We'll come back, we'll have a day of practice, and we'll go play in a four-team tournament. Um, and then we have our conference tournament as well. So we have these these little things that we do. Do you guys play in any like in-season tournaments in, in Iowa, no, Tony? No, we just shut down over break, and it's, it's one of those things where here in Iowa, some are upset about it. You know, hey, why don't we do it when other neighboring states do it and stuff like that. And the stand they continue to take is they want family time and for, you know, people to be together during the holidays. I'm like, well, you've got family from out of state and might be one of the rare chances they get to watch their you know, nephew or niece or, or grandkid or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I think it, it can fit into the schedule. They found a way to fit it into the schedule. Uh, the, the final four there in Las Vegas um, and was was a really cool idea. And, and it really brought out a lot of competitiveness within these teams. Um, I watched a lot of the Indiana-Boston game and it man that was they were playing that like it was a playoff game uh it was it was a lot of fun to watch uh just getting after it intensity the crowd was really into it the benches were really into it and uh you know so i think this was a a really really good deal um and and lebron just he keeps adding to his legacy tony uh he's going to be turning 39 here in a couple of weeks and I, I heard, I think it was on Brian Windhorse pod, that this is his, you know, by, by the numbers, this is his most efficient offensive season of his career right now, the way he's playing. And, and it's only been 20, 22, 23 games, whatever the number is. But still, uh, that is just amazing to hear them say that in some sort of metric, in some sort of way, uh, this is his most efficient uh, season to date. And when he's playing like that and Anthony Davis goes off for, what do you have, 41, 20, and 5 or something like that? Yeah, something uh, like that. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be, you know, that's the team that that we kind of expected to see. And uh, if they continue to move forward in that way, um, they're going to they're gonna be in the middle of it. They're going to be in the middle of it. But, again, health and uh, health and health and health. And did I mention health uh, for both AD and LeBron uh, are going to be really important. Both of those guys have played in 22 games. They've started 22 games um, and they're both playing about 33 to 35 minutes a game. Uh, if they're going to be out there that long in the regular season, the Lakers have a chance to make a pretty good run at it when it comes to uh, total number of wins and working their way up that Pacific division. Yeah, the crazy thing with the Lakers, I think between LeBron and, and AD, they've only missed two games between the two of them. Yeah, you know it's been the the role players around them mm-hmm. that have missed the games, and when they have their full roster healthy, uh, they they will definitely be a big hurdle to overcome by anybody out in the West. Um, you you take a look at at things they made an adjustment with uh, moving Austin Reeves to the bench. Uh, he that. was sick last night and had. You know, upper 20 points, uh, and that's really helped their bench. And then Cam Reddish, you know, a lot of guys were wanting to write him off and kind of push him out of the league and call him a bust and different things like that. He He's found a really nice fit with the Lakers as a defensive stopper and has really kind of starred in his role. Yeah, and and that's what it takes. And if you've got 
you know, if LeBron plays this way, if Anthony Davis plays this way, um, then they just need six other guys to just fill in the blanks. Um, they'll do the heavy lifting. But again, you know, it comes back to LeBron's going to be 39, uh, and AD is, you know, brittle to say the least. Uh, he's he's definitely had his his share of lingering injuries, and so. Uh, but but if he plays like that, if he's that dominant, uh, you know, AD's at 23 a game, uh, 13 rebounds, and almost three blocks a game. You know, that's that's some really that's the Anthony Davis that we thought we were going to get year in and year out, and uh, he's playing really really well. And uh, we'll we'll bring it home on this. Probably the breakout star of the in season tournament is uh, Iowa State's own Tyrese Halliburton. Um, he is really, you know, we, we saw him play this summer for the national team and, you know, caught the attention of basketball nerds like you and I. But now on the on the big picture, the mainstream folks are, are seeing him play for the first time uh, in, in, uh, in this type of environment. And goodness gracious, he is he has really taken the league by storm and... Um, he's he's a 6'5 version of Chris Paul right now, Tony. Instead of being six foot, he's 6'5", uh, 5.4 assists to turnover ratio right now for Tyrese Halliburton. Amazing statistic out of everything that he's doing. 27 a game, 12 assists a game, uh, just uh, all-around stud. And, and this might be his coming out party here. Yeah, I mean, he is the breakout star of the tournament, no doubt about that. You know, it, it's amazing to see him putting up. I mean, the, the assist-to-turnover ratio doesn't really surprise me a ton because that's what he did at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. But when you're seeing him have multiple games of 15 assists with no turnovers and then scoring upper 20 points because he wasn't a big-time scorer at Iowa State. And I think one of the biggest compliments that he received during this whole thing is his, his star is ascending was Bob Myers, the former Golden State Warriors GM saying, I screwed up. I should have drafted that kid. Yeah. Yeah, he had the opportunity to do so. And uh, was was he in the Wiseman draft? Was that the Wiseman draft? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think they kind of might regret that that one a little bit. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, and, and maybe he's not doing these same things if he's in Golden State. Who knows? You know, uh, maybe he's not allowed to flourish as much as he is because, uh, and, and they can't say a whole lot about it. They got a championship with Andrew Wiggins and that core group of guys. Uh, so they found a way to figure it out and, and get another championship. But, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton in a Golden State Warriors uh, jersey. Yeah, that, that, that might be a pretty scary thing to see as well. So, um, so yeah, so um, that's what we got here this week. Tony, you know, great discussion. Anything else on rebounding here, buddy? You know, if, it, if it's – one of those things where you believe in it the way that I do is kind of like the lifeblood of your program, um, and it has to be emphasized. It's one of those things where if you can get extra possessions by offensive rebounding, you have really like jacked up your chances of winning. And if you can limit teams to one shot on the defensive end, and you're pulling in, you know, high ninety percent of defensive rebounds, uh, you really give yourself a very strong chance to win. But it, like you said, Marty. It's it's an attitude. You yeah. know, if I had the choice of attitude, intelligence, or technique, it's attitude every time. Yeah, I uh, I really uh, I got this from somebody. When you're taking a look at your rebounding, uh, don't look at the number. Well, we only re- out rebounded them, you know, twenty six to twenty two. You know, 
uh, take a look at the percentage. You know, what percentage of the rebounds did you get in a game? And, and that's a number that we take a look at. Um, we want to try and get around 55% of all rebounds, Tony. Um, and we've been fortunate. We've, we've cleared that hurdle every game uh, so far. If we, and, and so instead of saying, well, we want to be plus eight on the boards every game or something like that, you know, I encourage folks to take a look at it more of, you know, what percentage of rebounds do you want to get? Because that, you know, sometimes maybe it's a low possession game and maybe both teams are shooting it really well. So you don't achieve your goal of plus eight because there's just not enough rebounds to go around to get a, a plus eight margin, you know? So that's one of the things that I have, have looked at over the years as well is taking a look at the percentage of rebounds to really grade yourself out a, as well. So just that's, that's my parting shot as well. So, um, well, Tony, it's been a good week. Uh, you got two tough ones this week, correct? Correct. Uh, we play Cedar Falls on Tuesday at home and then we'll welcome, prairie uh to our to our home floor on saturday morning as well so we have two really good teams coming to our place and so it should be an exciting week yeah saturday morning what time Ten thirty. okay uh do people have to stand in line for tickets i i think we'll be okay on that one. <laughs> okay all right so uh now you said you've got is it two tough ones this week or you just got one we got two really good teams um okay you know and, number two yeah number two team in the state and state tournament team they've been in the best team in our conference the last two or three years um uh, deep talented long athletic put a lot of pressure on the ball uh it's going to be quite a challenge for our young team um and you know but it's 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 like we told you you don't get it you can't beat a really good team unless you play a really good team and and so I, I hope I, I think we're going to be up for the challenge. Uh, I have no doubt that we will, that we'll be up for the challenge. Um, and, and then we've got another really really kind of an under the radar team uh, coming into our place on on Saturday. And uh, they play fast. Uh, they're athletic. Uh, they shoot it well. And uh, so we've got yeah we've got we've got two really really good teams coming into our place. Uh, or we go on the road Tuesday and then we have a team come to our place on, on Saturday. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a continuous build for our young group. Uh, but I like what we got. It's like, I tell them, you guys are my ride or dies. I, nobody else I'd be with right now. So uh great group of kids and let you know, let's, let's see what we got here this week. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks. You too, buddy. So, episode 68, Rebounding. Hope you folks have enjoyed it. If you got any questions, you know how to get a hold of Tony and I. Um, direct message us. You can email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. And, yeah, we'll, we'll let it rip from there. So, we'll come up with something for next week to talk about. Um, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.